Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today's podcast guest is Stacy Robbins. She is a soulful storyteller and a key influencer in the global conversation on healing your life through Hashimoto's. Her award-winning book, You're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone, is filled with hilarious, honest, and heart-aching moments along the journey of doctors telling her her symptoms were all in her head to telling her a year and a half later to get her affairs in order. Stacy holds nothing back as she weaves her heroic tale and playfully inspires women from all walks of life to see what we can use in every circumstance, including a diagnosis, as a way to transform our victim mindset, rediscover our sense of humor, and to learn to love ourselves again. Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast, Stacy. Thank you for having me, Amy. I love the work you're doing, and I know your community and is so appreciative. So thanks for including me today. Oh, thanks, Stacey. I know we met about four years ago at a conference. And since then, I've uh, read several of your books and I've followed you on social media and you always have so much wisdom to share. And I just felt like the time was right to you know, have you share that wisdom with PCOS Divas because I think the Hashimoto's um, journey often kind of parallels PCOS. And incidentally, a lot of women with PCOS also has Hashimoto's. So I think um, I'm really just looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. And I was diagnosed with both PCOS. Oh, and I didn't Hashimoto's. realize that. Yes, okay. we had talked about that that day a little bit, but we had so many people we were meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they often come in tandem. And, you know, with with women with PCOS, I'm actually working on an article now about, you know, autoimmune and PCOS. And it seems like once you open yourself up to one of those autoimmune conditions, um, I, that you, you know, are at more, higher risk to developing more. But I think you and I both can agree that if you work on some of these mindset shifts, it can make such a big difference. Yeah, I think that for me, you know, when your body changes so drastically as mine did, I went from, you know, being the sexy curvy 
<clears throat> pardon me, professional musician who was on a stage all the time and I had a lot of attention and, you know, my looks were part of my career in the music career. You know, when you go from being in that place where you feel really capable and in control or at least able to pretend that you're in control because you can dress yourself up even if your life isn't perfect on the on the back end um, but you can put pull it all together and be on a stage and, and make something happen that's great for other people but, um, and then to go from that to going to being over a hundred pounds more within a very short period of time I mean I felt like I felt like not me I f and I f and people related to me so differently and it was a really hard thing because I just wanted my body to be back to its old ways so I could do the things I used to do and pretend in the ways that I used to pretend but what happened was when my body was not allowing me to force my will upon it and it wasn't complying no matter how little I ate or how much I exercised um, my face was still round like a moon and my body was still laden with cellulite and all these extra over a hundred pounds. The work that I had to do, I was forced to do was going inside though. I was forced to go into mindset stuff because um, the physical, the superficial just wasn't bowing to my desire for it to be the old ways. So yeah, I had to go in, I had to go up into my head, I had to go into my heart, and I had to look at what mindsets I had um, that maybe I was masquerading or I wasn't noticing because I was so busy just being busy and living a life that had performance, not just on a stage, but in my life, in my relationships and with myself. And I think that what happened was in my old life, where I was a workaholic and, and performing all the time, I think that I got very um, uncomfortable with being quiet and alone with myself. And, and the minute that I would have to face the things that I thought in my head, I would just get up and get busy again. I'd clean something or I'd create a new business or I'd work on a new song. And Hashimoto's forced me not just because I was fat, but because I had lost my energy and I was in so much pain with the myalgias that I had to sit down and I had to be alone with me. And I had to see the way my, my thoughts processed and my, my beliefs were. And so, yeah, it was profound for me um, noticing how my mindsets were bent towards unworthiness. My beliefs were bent towards I'm rejectable. I'm unlovable. I have to perform for my worth. Um, if you like me, then I think better of myself. If you don't like me, then I would be devastated. So, a lot of fears of rejection. So I don't think I noticed that in the same ways until Hashimoto's showed up in my life. And the last thing I'll say about that before you jump back in is I think that I just wanted to believe that it was... Um, if, I lost my thought for a second. I, I sidetracked myself. Sorry. Um, I think that what happened was I, I didn't realize how devastated and devastating my thoughts were and how much they were damaging my life and health. And, and the thing is that I really so wanted to be skinny again and I so wanted Hashimoto's to go away that I ended up having to shift even my mindset about Hashimoto's wishing it away and waiting for my life to be different. And I really had to welcome the message it was bringing into my life, which was slow down, pay attention. It's time to heal some things. 
at a soul level that you need to work on so that you can live the life you're really here to live. Mm -hmm. So that was my opportunity hiding in Hashimoto's. Yeah, I love that. And as I'm listening to you, I just, I hear so many parallels <laughs> of my story. I know I um, used to feel like my body had betrayed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the PCOS symptoms that I was having, I felt like uh, it was, I had to reclaim my femininity because I didn't really feel feminine anymore. And um you know, I ultimately realized that PCOS was a wake-up call because I didn't have a lot of balance in my life. Um, I found that I did everything for everybody else, but always put myself last on the list. So that was sort of my realization. And once I started to um, create more balance and put my needs, kind of put the oxygen mask on first, I saw that my symptoms started to subside and I kind of knew I was on to something. So I'm curious mm. if you had a similar um, experience that as you started to you know, work on some of these issues, did the Hashimoto symptoms start to subside? You know, it's really interesting question because I do think it it all worked together, meaning that as I did have to work on mindset things, as I did work on, well, what is going on in my body? And at that time, 23 years ago, the doctor said, we don't know what's going on in yeah. your body. We just know that you have it. And I was like, well, what is my body doing? And they told me that my body was rejecting my thyroid. Now, I know there are different thoughts on that right now and different takes on that, but I'm just going to share with you what it was then. And I went, I feel like, you know, for the perfectionist in me, I have to say this, and the OCD person in me, I'm always looking for, wait, what's the ultimate truth? What's the highest truth? When very often life is really just about what is being revealed to you in this moment and going with that. And so I'm going to share with you what I went with 23 years ago. And I wrote in my book, you're not crazy and you're not alone is they told me my body was rejecting my thyroid um, and attacking my thyroid. And I sat with that, that contemplation. And I said, what, where am I rejecting me? Where am I not at peace with me? Where am I attacking me? Where am I not a friend? to me. And I do think that in the contemplation of that, what happens is we are able to recognize behaviors that we were formerly just distracting ourselves from. And in the recognition, a lot of that disappears. And what happens is I then took different actions toward loving myself, meaning I would go to a doctor who could truly help me um, instead of the ones who all told me I was crazy. I, I tried nutrition. I changed my foods. So I think what happens is when you start thinking higher thoughts, you start taking higher actions that honor those higher thoughts. And in that way, yes, I think that my body then started standing down because there was alignment between, <clears throat> there was alignment before. I was thinking crazy thoughts and I ended up with some crazy health, you know, and um, I, I lived a pretty crazy demanding life and I ended up with some chronic health things at that time. And um, so there was alignment and then that got revealed and I needed to shift my mindset and create some new alignment. And yes, I even did, just to answer your question on this, this was kind of fabulous. I went, I, I was hunting around because I had this personal commitment, prayer, meditation, whatever word feels good for you. But for me, I just said, I don't want to trim weeds anymore. I want to pull this up by the roots 
And, and so I remember having a book come across my way in like 1998 or 99, and it was about the physical, uh, the spiritual roots to physical disease. And I was like, oh, that's really speaking my language. And I, I read the book and I went to this place um, for two weeks to work on those things. And as I did work on mindset, spirituality, um, even, even though I didn't believe in all of that particular version of spirituality, I, I was willing to engage in, in the conversation within myself. And I came back and truly... I was told I would never have children if I did live. Um, I came back and my endocrinologist, who is the head of endocrinology up at UCLA, he said to me, I can't believe this. I've never had to lower someone's medicine before. They lowered my medicine over and over with my thyroid medicine. And, um, and I ended up becoming pregnant nine months after being there at that place, uh, naturally. So I just am I saying that's everybody's story? Am I saying that's the ultimate prescription? No, but I followed what was in my heart and I did find that my body then did have different changes, not completely done, but different. And I, yes, so I do see a connection. I, this is tweetable. I think you said, if you think higher thoughts, then you take higher action. Mm-hmm. I love that. And and I think that's, that's so true. And um you talk about nutrition and that's why I push nutrition so much on PCOS Diva because I think that it, it, when you feed yourself, you know, it's not just thinking the higher thoughts. When you feed yourself better food, then I think you take higher action as well. That's just something that came to mind. Um, Agreed. I think food is vibrational. I think, when yes. I, eat process, I think when I eat processed foods, it supports my processed thoughts. And I think when I eat really fresh, vibrant organic, non-corrupted <clears throat> foods, really highly mineralized foods. I, I vibrate with that. And I think more organic, original, um, mm-hmm. independent, um, not rebellious to myself, <laughs> against myself kind of thoughts. And I, I do see a connection actually. Yeah. And, and, you know, so many women that I encounter feel cheated because they can't eat like their friends. You know, they've got this PCOS diagnosis and they, you know, they can't go eat beer, beer you know, drink beer and eat pizza and have ice cream and it not affect them. Um, and I, you know, I always say you, 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 nobody gets a free pass. So when you think about food from a vib- on a vibrational level, like you just described, I think that really helps you to realize that nobody's winning with those processed food. Not, not to say that you can ever have them, but eating foods that are uh, full of nutrients and minerals definitely make you feel better, you know, inside and out. It really does. And I understand that process. You and I have both gone through in our own ways, that sense of loss because food is, and I talked about this in my book, food is not just food. Food is connection to culture, to history, to celebrations, to mourning, to comfort, to so many things. And um, so it really is a process to kind of do that surgery of what has food food been to me? And how do I still maintain the most vibrant parts of the connection with Mm. my community and celebrations or even the expression of mourning and yet not undo myself? Because apparently my body is calling for restraint during this time rather than um, and restraint in some foods. And, um, but that doesn't mean that I have to not be connected to 
like the, the vitality of life and, and family, it just, but it changes. So I had to walk through that because that's a big deal as an Italian girl from New Jersey, <laughs> you know, um, where food is around every corner and it's part of every comfort. Oh, you fell down off the, out of the tree. Here's a cookie. Here's a biscotti. Here's a, you know, let's have some hot cocoa. Like it was, it was so connected to love that um, it, it took a lot of work inside of me to be willing to give up gluten. It took like a year and a half to give up gluten. I've been gluten-free for nine years now, but you know, it took a little while to get there. So I get it. So I just have to ask, um, you know, being an Italian, gluten is, had to have been a huge <laughs> part of your life. How do you sort of get that fix um, of, you know, like a al dente pasta or... Um, you know, Italian cookie and still be gluten-free? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, I lead retreats in Italy um, every year. And so I go back to where my family is from and I have women from all over fly in and I, and I create a gluten-free retreat for them. And so, because I do know that, um, I, first of all, I want to say this about myself. I can live in austerity. I can live in um, asceticism where I remove so many things. I've already proven that to myself. Um, and so to be able to embrace like the gluten-free cannoli, and yes, it's going to have some dairy filling. And I'm, I, I weigh all the time, like, what is this going to give to me? And what is this going to cost me? I'm uncompromised about the gluten. So I have places where I'm 100% you know, I will not compromise on this. And so I do find those gluten-free fixes. Um, sort of, sometimes I'll do those zucchini noodles and I'll do all the same. Really what I love is the sauciness of things. I love mm -hmm. sauces. So mm -hmm. I'll find a way to make a cashew nut um, Alfredo style sauce and with vegan cheese and, and all of those yummy flavors. And that'll work for me. Um, or just the other day, I made a lovely um, chickpea gluten-free pasta. And I don't normally, I do normally do grain free, but um, I, I do get that craving sometime and I'm finding in perimenopause as I'm here right now, I'm finding that I, I want some of those comfort foods. And then in this season that we're in with all things coronavirus, you know, um, comfort foods sound good too, but I don't overindulge. But when I do want to grab something, I'll make a gluten-free almond cookie that has, mm -hmm. um, that's similar to something I know in Italy or, you know, and and, but honestly, after time, your cravings change. But when they, you do have them, you know, do them in a way that honors the things you care about. Because honestly, energy started becoming my highest priority. Having good energy meant I could live my dreams, meant I had a clear mind. And so when I look at food, I don't look at it like it has to be my best friend. It has to give me energy. And I also want it to be pleasurable while I enjoy it. So I try to make sure that I value my energy as I choose my foods and I make those high energy foods pleasurable. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah. I mean, energy is um, kind of that commodity that, <laughs> that I'm looking for too. And I know that certain choices that I make in the food I eat means that I'm going to be on the sofa ready for a snooze at three o'clock. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, that, I think that's a great way to approach, you know, making your food choices. So you mentioned um, being uh, prone to perfectionism and OCD. And in my work, I've, uh, I've found that most women that are really struggling with PCOS are kind of caught up in that perfectionism trap. And I would love for you to kind of speak to, um, speak to perfectionism and 
and how you've been able to kind of manage that in your life? Mm. So when you can perform in a way that meets your perfectionistic desires, um, then you don't really notice that you're perfectionistic in the same way. But as soon as there was this um, gap between what I wanted to be able to do and then what I couldn't do because the Hashimoto's wouldn't let me, I really had to look at why I was perfectionistic. And there's a lot of fear that's behind that. And there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of self-judgment and whatever you think um, other people think about you, the way you value, the way other people think about you. There was a lot of that tied to that for me. I also had to understand that I have an eye for beauty. I do have an eye for beautiful things. And, and sometimes that line between I appreciate beauty and I need it to be perfect so that I'm not rejected, that sometimes that line can get really blurry. And then sometimes we feel like we have to give up something being beautiful or good um, just because we have a hang up and, and some attachment about it. And I think, again, the mindset stuff helps us to do the surgery, noticing where we're getting perfectionistic. Um, you know, does that plate of food have to be plated perfectly? Does the house have to look perfect when somebody comes in? Um, what do I value most? Having to prioritize where I was going to spend my energy. Again, it's about energy because I might have had only an hour of good energy in a 24-hour day with when I was at my worst with Hashimoto's. So was I going to spend my energy making the place look perfect? I had to prioritize. And so I think that as a coach, you know, I coached so many women for the last two two and a half decades, um, the question always is what really matters most and why? And when you can ask yourself, why does it matter that that's perfect? I remember when I was doing one of my CDs in the studio, my producer came to me and he said, I'm going to hand you this disc. He said, I know you. He said, you like things 100% a certain way. He said, but you're going to have to settle for like 80%. Because that's the budget you have. I think I could spend $20,000 at the time. And that was like 20 years ago or whatever it was. And that was a lot of money. It was so good. But he's like, you got to know, you know, we're not pulling out all the stops to fix everything and make everything perfect. And, it, and, I, and I think even just the preparation of him saying that allowed me to be in that space of okayness. And that 80%, I had one, one person say to me once, one um, colleague of mine said, by the way, Stacey, I just want you to know your 10% is more than most people's 100%. So I, ha I have to realize that my measurement is just a little bit different than other, pe other people. So it's a lot of recognition. It's a lot of talking to yourself, asking yourself valuable questions like what is the priority and where should my energy go most and what matters most? Well, does it matter more that everything's clean in my house when my girlfriend comes over? Or does it matter that she feels loved? Mm -hmm. I can, what will make her feel loved? Well, if I have a pot of tea going, not if all the blinds are cleaned from the, the dust. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I enjoy reading your vignettes in your book. I, I've, um, I picked up the copy of your, your latest in Unconventional Life where messes and magic collide. I love that, that title. Um, and just your stories about you and, and your husband and your relationship. Um, seems like the two of you have like a really good balance. And that's kind of how I think of my relationship with my husband, especially when it comes to my perfection, um, because he always calls me out on it. And he, you know, says that he's like the 90% guy, especially when it comes to doing things around the house. He just put in a patio and, um, you know, I was going down there and, and I you know saw all of the flaws um 
right away, but he has to remind me, you know, hey, I'm the 90% guy. And that's, if that's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. And, you know, I think it's training ourselves to see um, what is right. Like you said, with your friend, with the pot of tea, um, that's what's right about the visit. It doesn't have to be that your whole kitchen is you know, sparkling clean. Um, so helping to train me to look for what is right, right away rather than what is wrong has kind of helped me overcome the perfectionism. Um, I guess that's just one of my tips. Um, I love that. That's a great tip and so true. And we do that with children, you know, we mm-hmm. don't want to come in and yeah. pick every piece of lint off their shirt and move their hair away from their face. We yeah. want to hear their heart. But it, but you have to apply that to yourself. So when you look at yourself in the Mm -hmm. mirror, I mean, you have a whole chapter about talking about cellulite, which is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and that's something that we as women, that's the first thing we see, right? We don't see Mm -hmm. the the beautiful curves and the the smooth. I don't know the um, you know the healthy glow to our skin and the beautiful lips or what, what have you, we all, we only see our flaws or that's what we see first. So, um, you know, how did, I, I, I'm curious, how did you uh, come to a, a sense of peace with your body after you felt like um, Hashimoto's hijacked it? Um, and I think that that feeling of, and um, a health condition, you know, hijacking your body, um, it could, was really women with PCOS can relate to. And I'd love to hear how you, you know, were able to move beyond that. Mm. Yeah, I think that's still a journey. I'll be honest. I think that, um, you know, I've lost over 100 pounds since I gained over that 100 pounds, but I'm, it's different. <laughs> it's different a couple decades later. later. <laughs> It's different going through perimenopause. It's different different after having two children. So I think that the conversation um, still gives me opportunity. My body still gives me opportunity to remain in the conversation and take it to the next level. I think at first, like you said, Amy, I felt betrayed. I was like, why will you not comply? You know, I was going to be just this militant person with my head commanding my body what to do, and it didn't fall into line. And so I... I denied it more and more and more. And I saw that that's what I did. I, I either went through denial or I gave my body access. And I, I saw that, like you said, um, there was not balance there. And so, you know, the journey had to become, for me, you know, it was progressive. It was progressive to shift from resentment to gratitude. It was, it was a process of me, you know, I, at one point, my dad, who was a very handsome man and a very um, active man and, and just very good at business and all the things that he did, you know, he had to have his legs amputated because of the complications to his health issue um, before he died. And and I remember thinking, these thighs that I'm complaining about, these legs that I'm complaining about, I love to walk. I get to walk everywhere. I get to walk for miles a day in Italy, and my dad didn't get to have that. And, and so I'm not saying we always compare or find gratitude through comparison, but I do think that sometimes people being close to us and in harder or different situations can serve as a reminder um, to shift to gratitude. But I did just start the practice um, at some point of like grabbing my breasts, my saggy breasts that had the stretch marks on them. And I'd just be like, I'd stand in the mirror and go, thank you. 
thank you for nursing my boys. Mm -hmm. I'd grab my thighs, jiggly, wiggly, whatever. And I'd say, thank you. Thank you so much for taking me so many places. Thanks for hanging in there. You know, and I'd put my hand over my liver and I'd talk to my liver and I'd thank it. I'd, I'd thank what I could see and thank what I couldn't. And, and I just do think that an atmosphere of being grateful, like what you said of when your husband makes the deck, you know, looking at what is there instead of what's not right, I think can help shift our view about it. And that's what I'm doing. You know, my body is different. And my body was going to change anyway. I think I'm going through what many people go through probably in their 80s, 70s or 80s when their body changes. But I just got the opportunity to address those issues mm. earlier. So what, one thing that I wanted to comment is I'm sure you're familiar with the work of um, that Japanese scientist, Emoto. Dr. Emoto. Yeah, yeah, and the way that he would talk to water and the, mm -hmm. the crystal and the vibration, I'm sure, if you could measure the vibration of the water. I mean, just think if we could all go through that ritual every day in the mirror and thanking you know, the, those body parts that we might not give enough love to. Um, what that would do for changing, you know, the frequency and vibration of our bodies. Um, Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I love Dr. Emoto. I, I introduced my kids to him years ago, and I want to say this, too, because I think that so many of us get into a when and then with our bodies, like when it, it reaches this number on the scale or when it can fit into these genes or when my butt gets perkier or whatever, whatever is like our standard of achievement. We then reward ourselves with love. And I think that that is probably one of the most dangerous things that we do to ourselves and we do to each other as a result of doing it to ourselves um, is that we wait to love ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the journey for me had to be, I realized this because my husband and I went through a really hard time in the beginning of our marriage with something he was going through. We got married young and he was walking through something that was a surprise to me and I didn't know about, but I was committed and it was really painful and hard those first seven years. Um, but I realized at some point, if I have him just perform and do all the right things for me, when he does those, I become the manager of him and his love isn't free and he will never trust my love. And that's when I wrote this sentence, love is a wonderful inspiration, but it's a terrible reward. And I started going around the country giving a talk called Loving the Unfinished Places. And there is something about when we apply love to the unfinished places, that is what allows them to be at their best and give them their best opportunity oh, to change. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I want to read a, just a quick little excerpt from your book, um, An Unconventional Life. You're talking about um, attending... Uh, I think a yoga class. And you said, I attended a class years ago and someone asked me, what would you do if you were at your goal weight? I got that weird faraway look in my eye like I was talking about a unicorn or someone or something. And you said, I'd wear cute clothes, laugh without worrying about a double or triple chin appearing. And I'd dance with my kids without worrying about the size of my butt. And then the teacher said to me, the secret to getting there is doing that stuff now. Live your life now. Don't wait for your idea of perfect in order to live a self-expressed life. Mm -hmm. Isn't that juicy? I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it really is. Why don't you comment on that? Sure. 
Yeah, I, it's so funny because I'm just walking through that this week with um, I'm doing a weight loss workshop for my girlfriends with Hashimoto's. My and um, I just talked about that yesterday. That love starts now. That is that's a that's a big deal. And and um, so really, what we think is the goal is actually the prescription. And if and I asked my my ladies in my group, and I'll ask it to all of us, is like, what would how would you feel? How would you feel if you were where you wanted to be in your health or weight or whatever it is? And whatever those feelings are, three to five feelings, I had them write down and I said, and what would you be doing? <clears throat> and they wrote them down and, and I said, that's the pathway to get there. Wear those cute mm -hmm. clothes now. Wear, laugh now, dance now. If, for me, my feelings, my three feelings I wanted to feel if I had lost weight was I want to be happy. I want to feel happy, peaceful, and free. I, that's how I would feel happy, peaceful, and free. And it's like, then do that now. Do that. Don't wait for a number on the scale and don't wait for a certain size on your jeans. Just like, don't wait for a certain number in your bank account or for your spouse to be perfect or whatever, your kids to behave like. Live your joy now. And that's what had me start traveling to Italy, even though I wasn't the perfect weight. I thought, I don't want to have a retirement mentality about loving me. I don't want to wait for a certain day on the calendar or. or, or like I said, number on the scale to love me. So that's really what I've aimed to live by, not always doing it perfectly, but definitely doing it more consciously. Mm. It's made a big difference. Well, and Stacey, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and, and the, you know, the wisdom that you've found along the way. It's, it's been such a gift to me to kind of, uh, be a little a spectator. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so, this is one reason I'm glad for social media. Social media can be such a curse, but to be able <laughs> to, you know, see your posts and, um, you know, they always give me a little lift. So thank you for that. And thank you. Uh, you know, I, I love that idea of thinking about three emotions um, of what that would feel like. And I really challenge everybody to think of, um, you know, how what would you do if you felt good felt good again if you kind of were living your best life what would that feel like to you and really bring those those three emotions to mind and write them down and as stacy said start living as if now because that's where the magic happens and i say this all the time that there is no magic pill for pcos you are the magic pill the magic wand and this is just one of those little um, tips and tricks on how to kind of wield the wand, I guess. <laughs> yes. And I do that. I say the same thing. I said, I was looking for the perfect pill, the perfect doctor, the perfect diet, the perfect solution. And I, I, and I was looking for someone else to be the grown up in the room, someone else to be the hero who was going to save me, someone else who's going to be a better friend to me. And I remember scanning room after room and doctor's office after doctor's office until my hands were the, where, that were sitting on my lap. That I, my eyes fell on my hands in my lap. And I realized I am the one. Yeah. I am the one who's going to save me from this. I am 100% responsible. This is my mantra, my personal mantra. I am 100% responsible for my life, health, happiness, and peace. Mm. You're the heroine of your story. I am. I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm making my cape. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stacy, tell us where we can find out more about your work um, and, you know, what you offer to, to women. 
Thank you. <clears throat> so you can find me at stacyrobbins.com. That website is being worked on pretty soon, but um, it gives an overview of what I do, but it doesn't really tell you how you can work with me. Um, but you can go there and find me and find my social media contacts. You can find um, some of my courses at stacyrobbinscoaching.com. And um, I'm working on a new website that'll be coming out soon. I'll let you know and maybe you can share it with folks. But, and then I'm on social media on Instagram. At, I'm at love Stacy Robbins. And then I'm um, on Facebook as well. So that is where you can find me in the work that I do. I do coaching. Uh, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do small group coaching. I do workshops. And then I also have courses. And then I do my Italian retreats. So there are wonderful ways for us to connect together. Thanks for asking. Well, thanks so much for being here and sharing uh, with us today. And thank you all for listening. I look forward to being with you again very soon. up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcosdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.